Hey, Woodside family, welcome to another exciting edition of The Link. So grateful for you joining us today. And a special welcome to all of our friends and uh, guests who are watching us. I'm so excited about today's topic because I believe that in this moment in history, the church needs to have a distinct voice. And if we study scripture, we know that Christ didn't shy away from talking into the most important issues of his day, and I believe he would have his church to do the same. One of the most important conversations happening today that the church needs to speak into is the relationship between law enforcement and the community. And today I've invited two guests uh, that are joining me that have tremendous experience in this conversation. First is retired police chief Charlie Kraft. Charlie has a 39-year history serving in law enforcement. He had the privilege and the honor of being the chief of police for the Troy Police Department from 1998 till he retired in 2009. Charlie, how are you today? I'm good, Chris. Thanks for joining me, brother. Uh, secondly is uh, Pastor Stacy Foster, who uh, along with his wife uh, Dottie served at Life Changers Church International uh, in the city of Detroit uh, before he took on a new position as the National Director of Compassion International, uh, their church engagement uh, division. Uh, but today I have him on because of 21 years of experience as a police chaplain for the city of Detroit. I'm so grateful for your leadership, Stacy, and for our uh, friendship. Thanks for joining me, brother. Thanks for having me. I want to start with you, Charlie. What caused you to uh, decide to go into law enforcement? What was your attraction to law enforcement? Well, actually, um, I never thought about being a police officer growing up. My life's ambition was to be a teacher. So um, I got my degree in secondary education from Wayne State University and set out to try to get a teaching job. Uh, at the, that particular time, they were few and far between. And I ended up uh, in a long-term subbing position with the Detroit Public School District. I uh, spent a great deal of time at uh, Jefferson Middle School, which is now closed, on Selden at, at 4th Street. Wow. And while, while there, I had occasion to speak to two young Detroit police officers about what they did and what I did. And I just said, well, I can do that. And uh, I need a job. So I applied, and I was fortunate enough to get hired. Uh, initially, I thought it would only be temporary, and I would take a teaching job. But after I got involved in it, um, I found out I really liked it. It really suited me. So there I was for, for, for about 39 years. That's awesome. Uh, Pastor Stacy. a lot of people go into pastoral ministry, but not everyone decides that they're going to also serve the law enforcement officials in their community by being a chaplain. What drew you to that? Actually, I noticed I didn't want to be a pastor. I wanted to be in law enforcement. Isn't that interesting? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, after I got married, my wife wouldn't allow me to do that. But, but in all sincerity, um, really had a lot of past, uh, had a lot of congregants who were either in the, on the police department or had family in on the department and really decided I wanted to serve in a way that would be meaningful to the officers. There were a lot of incidents that were in the news uh, from Rodney King to the Malice Green incident locally here in the Detroit area. And so felt like I could serve the police department by 
coming alongside, praying with officers, supporting them in ways that uh, I didn't see them being supported. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I think that the church has a responsibility to pray for all people, uh, to support those who are called to serve and protect in our community, and to also be there as a gospel witness to our world in times of tension. It seems like, Charlie, we've been here before, right? Uh, Pastor Stacey brings up uh, the, the Malice Green incident here locally. We all remember what happened when Rodney King, the videos of Rodney King uh, came out. Uh, and yet here we are years later going through the same uh, challenges. Uh, Charlie, talk a little bit about uh, what your opinion is on the underlying issues that need to be addressed if we're going to navigate our way through these tensions? Well, I think, you know, just my personal perspective, and, and this is based on my experience, um, I think the quick, there, there are a number of answers. There's no one reason that, I'm, that causes all these. Certainly racism is, an, uh, is present in our society, and police officers are people. They come from our society, and that, that happens. I've shared this with some other people that I've seen this in the course of my career, that it's an abuse of power. Um, it's not necessarily citing, you know, picking out any one person or group, but that abuse of power. Police officers have an incredible amount of power. When you think about it, we're the only people in America that could deprive a person of their freedom of movement without the approval of a judge. We, we do that to an arrest. We, we can do, you know, in a limited sort of set of circumstances, we can take somebody's life. A lot of power there. And, and I think that tends to be, can be very corrupting in some people in what I've seen. And I think the third reason is sometimes we get people who don't have, really have a lot of problems when they come on the job, but there's an erosion that takes place over a period of time. And their ethics begin to erode uh, they have no faith, and they just begin to act out for, for a variety of reasons. So, you know, each incident's a little bit different in terms of you have to look at that individual. But I think all those things are some of those are some of the underlying causes, I guess, would be the best way to say it. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I agree. There are tons of underlying causes. But I think that our focus on recognizing the reality of sin that plagues all of humanity and shows up in various ways in the human heart and taking that seriously as well as uh, I appreciate the mental health aspect that you bring into the conversation as well, just the pressures of the position. Uh, Stacy, I, I don't know many people who love uh, police more than you do. I don't know many people who have prayed more hours, uh, written in squad cars, cared for people in the most tragic moments uh, that are serving in law enforcement. What does the community, uh, what does the church need to know about the stresses of that job from a chaplain's perspective? What do you feel we need to know about what police face every day? One of the things most interesting to me is that I'm both black and blue, if you will. And so as an African-American male riding along with the police uh, in Detroit, black, white, Hispanic, uh, the pressures and the stresses that these officers face on a daily basis. I mean, you can find someone coming from, um, say, a combat situation, typically dealing with post-traumatic stress. Well, these officers oftentimes, especially in the city of Detroit or major cities, 
they're going in dealing with the most uh, depraved, uh, tense situations, and oftentimes uh, deal with the level of, I believe, post-traumatic stress on a day-to-day basis. So it's like a veteran would go and do an 18-month tour of duty or a 20-month tour of duty coming back, but they're out of that situation. Oftentimes in major cities, they're continually going back into these types of situations. And dealing with the public, um, like Charlie mentioned, most of these officers, well, all these officers are human, and they're broken in different ways and in different places. And you see the manifestation of that brokenness in what we're seeing around the nation. Yeah, I just think that one of the false narratives that we have to push back against is that somehow this moment is about police against the community or the community against police. I don't think we have to choose who we love in this moment. All of us are in need of God's grace. There's things that we uh, know that police can do better. There's things that we know that the community needs to do better. And we'll get into those things. But the church, in a very unique way, has an opportunity uh, to build bridges, to um, call people together to prayer and reconciliation. So I would love for both of you, and I'll start with you, uh, Charlie, and then uh, you, Stace, talk about when you see the unique role of the church as being and maybe the unique opportunity of the church in this conversation. Well, you know, I, I've been thinking about this, Chris, and I, I think the church really is that conduit between police officers and the public and can be that. I have a, a friend, um, pastor in Macomb County, black pastor who serves as a reserve police officer in East Point and chaplain for several uh, Macomb County police departments. And I've seen what he's capable of doing and how he brings the church into play and what he's, how he's capable of, of speaking into um the lives of, of people that aren't the police and people that have problems with the police and then to police officers themselves. So, you know, I know in, uh, in Troy, we have a chaplain's program that we started uh, many years ago. And uh, I just see that as being vitally important to involve there. And I think as a church, we can speak into a lot of people's lives and kind of draw people together. And uh, it's a daunting task. But so spreading the gospel is a daunting task that we we can't we can't grow weary and we have to keep at it. So very yeah. I think it plays a very important role. Yeah, I appreciate that, Charlie. And I just want to say a special thank you to Pastor Vince Messina, who's been a Troy police chaplain here on behalf of Woodside and has done a phenomenal job uh, in that role. Uh, Pastor Stacy, what is your opinion about the role that the church can play in this season? Yeah, I think the church can play a vital role uh, in supporting the uh, police department and, and really not only praying for them, but, but uh, you know, what, what really helped Detroit in this season is that the community involvement, that Chief Craig was real intentional in terms of community relations and building bridges to the community so that there could be conversation and dialogues about what was happening in the community and how policing should take place and how we could support. So I think the church has a vital place to play in this season. Charlie, let's talk a little bit about what uh, police life uh, meant for your wife, for your children, for your family. How does uh, being a police officer impact that? Well, um, my wife and I still, we, we had this deep conversation a couple nights ago. We were talking about the life of a police chief, and I went out and texted a couple of my friends who were still in the business to encourage them. Um, 
I used to say this, Chris, say, you know, when, when a police officer on the street opens his mouth and talks, my voice comes down because everything is focused on the police chief. Calls in the middle of the night, um, you know, when the phone rings at two or three in the morning, it's good. They didn't call me to tell me things were going great tonight, chief. Um, they, they called me because something was terribly wrong. Just, it, you know, I lived with that for like 11 years, 24 hours a day. So it, very demanding on my family. I fortunately have a wonderful partner and my wife who, uh, my kids can tell you they really didn't miss a beat because my wife just picked up the slack and did it. But it was very, it's very stressful. And I think in the life of uh, just a, a patrol officer, as we were saying, you know, they're, they're, these guys, these people are broken sometimes. They come to work with all the problems everybody else has. Arguments at home, children problems, financial problems, every kind of problem you can imagine, they bring to the job every day. And then they go out and then they see horrific things and uh, have to intercede in people's lives and try to solve their pro- these people's problems when they say to themselves, I can't even solve my own. Yeah. But it's very frustrating. And I, I what Stacy said uh, about DPD in Detroit, you're in a large city uh, such as that. You see this much more frequently than we did in the suburbs. But every police officer sees it to some degree throughout their career. Uh, Detroit, New York City, Chicago, larger places, it's just a, it's more intense. But we all see that. I appreciate that perspective, Charlie. And obviously, there's a lot of moms and dads who have sons and daughters who are in law enforcement, a lot of uh, spouses that are watching us right now, a lot of kids that are watching us right now uh, that know uh, both the anxiety and the stress of seeing that loved one head out to do their job with no guarantees of them walking back through those doors. And uh, especially now where there's so much tension uh, that's happening. Pastor Stacy, as a, uh, a Detroiter, as someone who loves the city, I do want you to talk a little bit, though, about the community's perspective, because I'll be honest with you. I think that um, growing up in different communities, I've lived in the city, I've lived in the suburbs, there are different narratives of how uh, people see the police. Uh, growing up in the city, oftentimes the narrative centered around over-policing or uh, harassment or brutality, and that does strain uh, this sense of uh, supporting the police. Talk a little bit about what that perspective is like. Yeah, I think, Chris, for, and th- thanks for the question. I think for years, Detroit has had uh, a negative rep- reputation as it relates to uh, policing in the city. Again, I mentioned earlier that Chief Craig has been very intentional about making sure that there's a bridge from the community to the uh, department to have voice into what's going on in uh, particularly with police. I think there probably was a breakdown um, years ago when we decided to not have a residency requirement where officers did not have to live uh, in the city. In my opinion, I think it makes it so much easier and there's less tension when an officer can not only live in the community that he's policing or she's policing, but they can actually get a chance to know the neighbors in uh, real upfront and, and close way. You know, I want you to also address something else, Pastor Stacy. A lot of people will say, this is all manufactured. This is uh, not supported by reality. Uh, the sense of a cry for police reform or that something needs to change. 
Um, what do you say to people who say that this narrative is all a matter of imagination or manipulation? Well, I would say they're not really living in reality. I think that what we see is real, the pressures of, of officers, again, putting on a uniform every day. I have to take my hat off to these officers who will get up every day and put themselves in harm's way for people who may not be uh, as re receptive of their services. Um, it's real. I mean, the, the, the violence that we see, the, um, the pushback that we're seeing from the community, uh, it's it's real, but I also yeah. say that we've got very good police officers out there uh, in Detroit and other uh, communities around the country, officers who put pride into uh, standing behind that badge and serving citizens. All right, Charlie. Well, what about the opposite side of the coin? People who say, uh, "Man, this this uh, outcry for justice, uh, these claims of racial disparities." in uh, policing that again, and all of that is manufactured and uh, this sense of excessive use of force is maybe uh, overstated and being politically manipulated. What do you say to those who wanna shut down the conversation uh, totally and say we should just support police and that everything that's coming from the community in this season is uh, again, uh, manipulation and manufacturing? I, I disagree with them. Uh, I power without accountability is dangerous and there are acts of brutality um, greater and more and in greater numbers are the daily interactions that I think police officers have with people that are based on things other than um, fairness they're not done fairly I think that that that's present we cannot deny that and we should not deny that and what a lot of people are missing in, in this conversation to me is they don't know history. Mm. We've gone through periods of police reform before, and we got to where we are today because we're, what we accept is, is um, natural and the right way to do things today are the result of police reform that happened in the 60s and the 70s that grew out of the social unrest there. And those have been positive changes. So this is this is something that should promote us to be to do a better job. The things that we're talking about now doing have been talked about by progressive police leaders for years and years and hasn't gotten any traction. And it's truly unfortunate that something like this has to happen to get us to talk about it and take it seriously. But that's where we find ourselves today. Um, Let's just talk about let's talk about the matter of chokeholds. I went back and checked. Detroit Police Department banned that over 20 years ago. Wow. You know, community and Stacy brings up a great point about Chief Craig. Fabulous job in, in engaging the community. That's something that we said about here many, many years ago, engaging the different sectors of our community and talking to them and being transparent. There are people out there promoting that. And to deny that there's a problem is, is just really sticking your head in the sand. And you can't be offended. You should not be offended. You should listen. Yeah, I appreciate that honesty and um, I think hopefully balance. I think what we should all uh, hope and pray for is that we will see uh, no more George Floyd, no more Breonna Taylor incidences. Those 
types of things have been all too frequent throughout history, uh, but we can, as Charlie just mentioned, as we work together towards what is uh, smart reforms and uh, hopefully driven by care for both police and community, we strive for uh, putting an end to those types of incidences. All right, tough question for you guys as we, we wrap up. Charlie, I'll come back to you. If you could uh, oversee uh, this moment and you had the power to institute uh, one reform or one strategy, what would it be to help to navigate to a better future? Well, that is a challenging question. The one thing is that I think I am a huge believer in uh, the value of leadership. And we need strong leaders who, who have a conviction. My conviction, uh, Chris, is based on my faith, all right? When I look back on it, it, it influenced everything that I did. I'm a, I'm a real fan of the John Maxwell theory of leadership. That is that leadership is influence, and influence is the result of relationships. And we need strong leaders that want to influence people and build relationships with people. And I guess if I could change one thing about law enforcement, that's that's the one thing I would change. Um, I think leadership is where it's at, and it's vitally important. Pastor Stacy, one thing, if you could, to uh, say to the community about how uh, we can best uh, navigate through this moment that doesn't lead to anarchy, but hopefully positive progress. Well, I, th I think if, I don't know if I could boil it down to one thing, but I would say, again, if I were to boil it down to one thing, it would be simply prayer. And, and, and again, prayer, because I think that it builds the bridge for us to be able to engage in real meaningful dialogue and communication with officers. If I were to say something about reform for officers, I would say the one thing that I could think could build a bridge to that is the residency laws being um, implemented in major cities where you police, you should live. That's a powerful connection there. And I think that prayer is an excellent place for us to land this plane. This is obviously a conversation that has uh, many angles to it, and we could spend a long time on it. But I want it uh, to be able to give a balanced voice, to be able to hear both from uh, someone who has served in law enforcement and continues to uh, train uh, future law enforcement uh, officers, as uh, Charlie is doing, someone who has cared for them, and someone who is deeply rooted in the community like Pastor Stacy. Stacy, I want to ask you if you could uh, close us in prayer as we pray for those who are hurting because they've been uh, victims of police brutality, as we pray for the many, many officers that are doing their job right and well up under uh, stressful conditions, and as we pray for accountability. Uh, that the church would step in and be the voice of Jesus. Can you pray for us? Absolutely. Father, again, thank you for uh, for Christian, for what he's he's doing. I thank you for leading this conversation. I pray for all of our listeners, those that have loved ones that serve as officers. I pray, God, for their protection. I pray, God, that you would give wisdom to them as they, as they serve, Father, in this time of unrest. And I pray, Lord God, that you would just begin to uh, show us, Lord God, and the officers and the community, God, what it is that we should do uh, in this season to bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. 
Amen. Young man, I can't thank you enough. I just would ask you to come back again because I'm sure there are going to be a lot of individuals who would love to explore various aspects of this conversation. So, Charlie, can I count on you rejoining me in the future? Absolutely, Chris. And I appreciate your service at Troy and our worship department as well. Pastor Stacy, if we call on you, will you come back? Man, if you call, you know I'm, I'm there. Anything you invited me to, sir. All right, so we got it recorded on camera now, so you got to stick to it. Woodside family, I so appreciate you joining us. Uh, I would say that we as the church have a phenomenal opportunity to model something different, not just shouting at one another, uh, not just dismissing one another's narratives, but listening well uh, with Christ-like ears and a heart that desires reconciliation. As we pray for our community and the hurting, let's remember to pray for our law enforcement officials as well, their families. And let's most of all pray that Christ would be honored through all of this and that many uh, would turn to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. As always, remember that at each one of our campuses, we have campus pastors who are here for you. If you are uh, hurting in this moment, uh, please know that our campus pastors would love to pray for you, counsel you, and support you. I can't wait till we're together again for the next edition of The Link. 